for you. If you have a Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm gonna read verses uh, one through eight. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses one through eight. The Bible says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. And when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength to weep. David's two wives had been captured and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and Carmel, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, and he asked this question. He said, shall I pursue this raiding, shall I pursue this raiding army? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Wow. I want to read verse 9. David and the 600 men with him came to the valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued in the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. And the Bible says, David asked him, where do you belong? Or who do you belong to? Where did you come from? He said, I'm an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me here when I became ill three days ago. We raided you, <laughs> and we burned Ziklag. And David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? Isn't it an amazing thing how God will use the enemy to show you <laughs> where your stuff is and what belongs to you? He said, he answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. He led David down, and there... There they were, scattered over the countryside, eating and drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. And David fought from dusk until the evening the next day, and none of them got away except for the 400 young men who rode off on camels. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl. I love that. Plunder or anything else they had taken, David brought everything back. David brought everything back. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We pray over these next few moments you would speak clearly to us. Help us to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 29 tells us where David has been and why David and his men are coming back into the situation. They've been, they've been out uh, <laughs> trying to get in a fight. They were actually trying to get in a fight. They were trying to fight against God's people with the Philistines. David, uh, David, who started out with so much purpose and so much promise, is in a place right now where he is as far away from the purpose and the promise that it seems he has ever been in his life. The Bible tells us here in 1 Samuel 29 and 30 that he's been hiding in a place called Ziklag from Saul. 
The word ziklag is such an interesting word. It means winding, twisting movement or course. And David has found himself in this place where he's created an alliance with his enemy, the Philistines. And he and his men are getting ready to fight against the Israelites. And then all of a sudden, in 1 Samuel 29, some of the commanders start to recognize who David is. They even remembered the song that was sung about David. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And they look at each other and they're like, isn't this the guy that they wrote this song about? So David's friend comes to him and he says, hey, listen, I love you and I trust you, but none of these commanders trust you. So I'm going to have to ask you to go back home. I'm going to have to ask you to leave this place because they're afraid if we start to fight, then you're going to turn on us and we know what you're capable of in battle. And if you turn on us, they don't believe we will have a chance. And so David and his men leave that place and they head back home to their families. I can imagine there's a little bit of relief in their hearts that they don't have to fight against maybe some people that they knew, maybe some friends that they had when they were in Israel, maybe some relatives, maybe some other people, maybe these people that they loved and they didn't have to fight against them. So they're heading home. And as they're heading home, they see that the town, the little place that they've been staying, this place called Ziklag, this winding, turning place, is on fire. There's still smoke in the air. And it's an amazing thing that they get there, and the men immediately, the Bible says, start to turn on David and talk of stoning David because, of course, David is the leader. And the first one we want to throw stones at is the leader. Whenever we're in crisis, sometimes it's easier to blame others for their leading than it is for us following a bad leader. And sometimes we have to look at ourselves and say, you know, maybe it isn't his fault. Maybe I followed a bad leader. <laughs> okay, anyhow. No personal responsibility, obviously, in the room today. But have you ever felt purposeless in your life? David was on a, this would end up being about 16 months. We find ourselves about 18 months into this COVID, this lockdown, this shutdown, life changing completely, not just for you as an individual, but for every individual in this room. Life has changed. We've all kind of been through ziklag and we're still in some ways, right in the middle of Ziklag, this winding, twisting, turning. It seems like every time we think we've, we've come around the corner, we, we come back into another fight. And this is where David found himself. He's leaving one fight, relieved that he's left this fight, but he finds himself immediately in another fight. Have you ever felt that way in life? Like either you just got finished with the fight or you avoided a fight. And what did you get for avoiding the fight or winning the fight? You got another fight. You didn't get enough time to even catch your breath. You didn't even get enough time to recover. You didn't get enough time to have a meal. You didn't get enough time to celebrate the previous victory. You found yourself right in the middle of another Fight. David is obviously at his breaking point. His men are at their breaking point. They are lost. They are left with nothing. But there is purpose in Ziklag. There is purpose in Ziklag. Ziklag represents those seasons of life when you can't even celebrate a victory before another fight begins. 
You ever found yourself like you finally get your head above water and then you're pushed back under the water? You ever been in a, in a, in a fight in a pool? And you're wrestling in the pool and you finally get yourself out and then all of a sudden somebody else jumps on you. Have you ever had an older brother or sister who you were in the pool with and they just wanted to torment you and they would let you up for a little bit of air and then they would pull you back down again? This is the way the enemy works. He likes to make you feel like you've gotten victory. He likes to make you feel like you're on the other side. And then he attacks you again, not realizing that even though he's making you feel further than you've ever felt away from your purpose, he's actually pushing you closer to your purpose than you have ever been. I know David seems like geographically he's further away from ruling the people of God than he's ever been, but he's never been closer in the spirit of God. I want you to know today that though you might feel far away from even God himself, I want you to know that that distance doesn't have to be closed by you. That distance doesn't have to be closed by your effort. That distance doesn't even have to be closed by your emotions. That distance is closed by the God that you serve who came from heaven to earth in the form of his son and he gave his life for you so that he could close the distance between what you feel is your purpose and where you feel like you are in your life. There's a purpose in Ziklag. Ziklag is the place where the enemy attacks what you love because he's tired of losing to you. There are a lot of people in this room, the enemy has come after you and you've survived those attacks, but nothing it's harder for me to keep my cool about than when somebody messes with my family. Like, I get it, devil. You, you don't like me. You don't want me to be who God's called me to be. I, I get you coming after me, but now you're coming after my kids. You're coming after my, my family. You're coming after the people I love, and he does this because he knows he can't defeat you. And the enemy understands, I don't have to kill Robbie to destroy his purpose. I just have to discourage Robbie to destroy his purpose. And if I can get at the things that, that he loves and the things that make him happy and the things that bring joy to his life, and I can mess with those and discourage him, then I can keep him from fulfilling the call of God on his life. And you have to know this enemy, the Amalekites, these are an unfair fighting people. These are the same people who in Deuteronomy chapter 25, the Bible says, when the, when the elderly were weary and they were walking through the wilderness, he said, when the elderly who were weary and those who were worn out and those who were sick were on the edges of the camp, these are the same people that the Amalekites attacked. They go after the weak. They go after those who are unprotected. They go after those who are lagging behind. They go after those who are struggling. They go after those who, are, who feel left out. They go after those who feel broken. That's why the church of the living God should never be a place where people who are broken, where people who are struggling, where people who are on the edges feel like they are not a part because that's who the enemy goes after. We should rally around the people on the fringes. We should rally around the people on the edges. We shouldn't rebuke people because they haven't been coming to church. We should rally around them in their time of need. We shouldn't rebuke people because they're discouraged. No, we should rally around them in their time of need. We shouldn't rebuke people because of their doubting. No, we should rally around the people who are lagging behind so that the strong can take the attack from the enemy. Can somebody in the church say amen? 
Ziklag is the place where the people and the things that you thought you could count on let you down. This is a this is a serious amount of rejection that David and his men are feeling right here. Not only have they been rejected by Saul, Saul's actively trying to kill David. The Philistines don't even want them. <laughs> have you ever been in a place in your life where you didn't feel like you fit in with the Christian crowd, but not even your worldly friends wanted you anymore? Not even your drinking buddies wanted to hang out with you anymore. Not even the people that you used to do some crazy stuff with wanted to mess with you anymore. Rejected by your home, rejected by the Philistines, rejected by your friends. David's friends are turning on him. And this is an interesting situation because David finds himself in a place that his talent cannot get him out of this time. David finds himself in a battle that a slingshot can't get him out of, that his harp can't get him out of. You ever found yourself in a place that your education couldn't get you out of? You should say yes, because you're in one right now. The smartest people in the world don't know what they're doing right now. You know what I wish I heard a lot more of right now? I don't know. Because it seems that the thing you thought you, know, you knew isn't even true the next day. I just wish the world was full of a lot more people who just said, I don't know. Wow. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't have all of the answers. The most educated people in the world are struggling with this disease. The greatest scientists on the planet are struggling with this disease. What makes you think? Because you read an article online, you are all of a sudden the master of this disease. At some point in your life, you just got to look at this situation and say, I don't know. My talent can't get me out of here. My slingshot isn't going to win this one for me. Why does stuff like this happen? It happens because sometimes our plans have to die for God's plan to survive. So Ziklag is that place where the stuff you thought you could count on fails you. Thought you'd count on your job, didn't you? <laughs> you, thought you, could, you thought you could count on your money, didn't you? You thought you could count on your retirement. Oh, man. You thought you could count on your health. You thought you could count on your friends. And so much has failed us. And I think God is in heaven saying, hello, 
Is anybody going to recognize the point of all of this? The point of all of this is that you don't know, but I do. Isaiah said, behold, I will do a new thing. I love this because God says, I will do it. And in a world where we're looking to, what's the government going to do? What's Dr. Fauci going to do? What's the school board going to do? What's my business going to do? God is looking for a church who looks to him and says, God, I don't really care what they're going to do because they're going to do one thing and they're going to change their mind tomorrow. God, I want to know what is the new thing that you are trying to do? What's your plan, God? Ziklag is the place where your pain empties you of your tears and God fills you with his power. Psalm 125, 120, I'm sorry, 126, 5 and 6 says, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. I got a problem with people that don't cry. My problem isn't just because I'm a crier and you're not. My problem is I, I, my pro, that's the biggest part of it. But my other problem is that I feel bad for you. Because maybe the lack of joy in your life is your refusal to sow in tears. Maybe the, maybe the lack of joy is your refusal to acknowledge the pain. Maybe for some of you, you can't find any joy in this season because you can't find any tears in this season. You haven't wept with anybody. You haven't had enough compassion in you to break down and cry over what the world is going through. You, you tried to be a stalwart during all of this. You've tried to hold it all together and keep it all together. And God is saying for you to really be filled with my joy, you have to cry for some things sometimes. Maybe your lack of empathy, maybe your lack of compassion is why you're void of joy. Maybe if you would just sit with someone in their sorrow for a minute. The Bible says that if you don't have anything to weep over, it says weep with those who weep. Find somebody who's crying and cry with them. Find somebody who's struggling and get right in the middle of that struggle with them. I think sometimes we try to keep ourselves, we try to keep any sadness or sorrow from entering into our lives. It's, it's like trying to avoid offense. The Bible says offenses are gonna come. Trouble is gonna be with you. Sadness is gonna be with you. Difficulty is gonna be with you. And if you try to avoid it all, you'll miss out on true joy. Because when you get to the end of yourself is when you finally start to experience the power and the presence of God. The Bible says that he is near to the brokenhearted. And maybe you don't feel like God is near to you because you haven't been brokenhearted. Maybe your heart is broken, but you keep masking it with personal strength and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and holding it all together and being strong. And but I want to encourage you. Go ahead. Let the brokenness flow so that God can fill you with his power. God is not offended at your brokenness. God is offended when you pretend like you're not. 
So Ziklag is this place. It's this place where we are emptied because of our pain. You ever cried so much you didn't even have any more tears? I don't do this all the time. <laughs> but yeah. There's no more tears left to cry. This is where David finds himself. The Bible says in verse 6 of Psalm 126, it says, He that go forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In other words, this is the picture that God paints for you, is that your tears are seeds that you plant in the ground. That's why the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning, every time you sow in tears, God considers those tears precious. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells me that he stores up my tears in a bottle. And every time I sow in tears, I come back, and at some point in my life, in that place that I sowed in tears, I'll reap in joy. That's God's promise for you. I don't know how long you've been crying. I don't know if you've been crying a full 18 months. But the longer you cry, the bigger your harvest. The longer you've been broken, the bigger your harvest. The bigger your struggle, the bigger your pain, the bigger your test, the bigger your testimony, the bigger the thing that you went through, the harder the thing that you went through, the more difficult the thing that you went to, you're gonna come right back to that space and that place where you cried and you thought your life was over and you thought you'd never make it and you're gonna look right there, not over somewhere else, but right where you sowed and God is going to bring out a harvest that will bring joy in your life. He will, he will, that's his promise. Wow. Ziklag is the place where you learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. The Bible says that after they get back, that David and his friends, they're sitting and talking. The friends are having a conversation, and they're like, let's kill this dude. Because nothing will help us win the victory like, like taking out our greatest warrior. That's what we should do. The church is really good at elevating people and then tearing them down. We got to stop this. We got to stop this. We should be a people who, yes, people are going to fall. People are going to make mistakes. But we don't want to destroy one another. We want to restore one another. Once somebody's sin has been found out, once somebody has been dealt with, then the goal of Christianity is not to keep them down. The goal is to restore them back to everything that God had for them in the first place. You know what brings joy to my heart? Every now and then I'll be turning through a station. I'll see Jimmy Swagger still singing, still preaching. Some people are like, how dare he? I, why not? He serves the same God that forgave you for all the trash you've done. Nothing brings joy to my heart like seeing somebody restored. Seeing, seeing, seeing somebody who, 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 who the world will look at and say they'll never, ever be able to do that again. Seeing them restored. I love to see people's lives restored because it's just a smack in the face of the devil who'd like to condemn them straight to hell. But we serve a God who didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world. Come on, church. 
We should be a people about restoration. Giving hope back, giving life back. Restoring people to their purpose. I love this about God. So he learns, he learns. So these men are about to take him out and the Bible says that he's like, okay, uh, I'm gonna have to do something different. Can't play the harp for this one. (laughs) And some of us, man, that's what we wanna do, right? When we find ourselves in a difficult situation, we just wanna put some music on and disappear. Have you ever done it? Oh man, I've done it. Nothing, nothing helps me when I'm in my moods like some Coldplay. Just like sit in my car and just like listen to some Coldplay. And just cry to fix you. When the tears come streaming down your... Yes, God. You're like, wait, this is Coldplay. This is not. This is not worship. Or if I'm in a situation, you know what I like to do? I like to start throwing stones with my slingshot. But David, he can't do it. He can't. There's, there's, there's no, there's no harp that can save him. There's no stone that can save him. The Bible says David has to. He's got to pray. He's got to pray. Prayer, above all things, is a declaration of surrender. David knows how to play the harp. David knows how to throw a stone. But he's like, I can't, I can't control this one. I've lost all power in this one. This one is going to require total surrender to the will and to the plan of God. So the Bible says, David inquired of the Lord. And when the Lord answers, I love the way the Lord answers because the Bible says, David asked the Lord, he said, God, should I pursue these people? God says, go for it, David, I'll be with you. Take back everything that the devil stole from you. I love this because God doesn't go, hey, Dave, listen. Nice of you to finally ask me a question in 16 months. You know, Dave, you're actually here with your friends about to kill you because of a bad decision you made 16 months ago. You know this is your fault. And before I answer your prayer, and before, you, before I even give you my stamp of approval to go get your stuff back, I just want you to wallow in your mistakes for a few minutes. I just want you to sit here in the mess that you create. Look around. Your friends want to kill you. The Philistines don't even want you. Saul is after you. And all of this happened because of a decision you made, Dave. Look at yourself. And this is how some of you think God talks to you and thinks about you when you mess up. 
And you come back. That's why so many people are afraid to come back because they think they're going to have to sit in this like session where God like, you know, just says, I told you so for an hour and a half. Listen, I appreciate your prayers, but I want you, I want you to know that this is all your fault. I appreciate you asking for forgiveness, but I want you to understand something that you wouldn't even have to ask for forgiveness if you would have listened to me in the first place. I love that God doesn't remind him of his mistakes. He just points him towards his future. See, this is how you can know the difference between is God talking to me or is the devil talking to me? The devil can only talk to you about your past and your present. But God has forgiven you of your past, is with you in the present, and is always pushing you towards your future. Well, Dave, you're unqualified to go after this. I guess you'll just have to start all over again and build a whole new life and a whole new family. You lost out on this one, you know. First Samuel 27 and 1 this all started because of something David said to himself. In 1 Samuel 27, the Bible says David thought to himself because Saul was throwing spears at him. David thought to himself, he said, one of these days I'll be destroyed. The best thing I can do, he said, is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel and I will slip out of his Hand. This whole 16 months started because of something David said to himself. So David recognized, if my life is going to change, if my situation is going to change, I'm going to have to start saying something different to myself. There's a story in the New Testament about a woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had seen all the doctors she could possibly see. She had spent all of her money trying to get better. And then the Bible says... She finally said to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And I want to ask you this morning, what, what do you need to start saying differently to you? Because I think you need to start talking to you the way God talks to you. Not the way you talk to you, not the way you, your father and mother talk to you, not the way your aunts and uncles talk to you. Even on their good days, they weren't as good as God. Even, on, even the best day your dad had in thinking about you wasn't as good as a, as a bad day God has thinking about you. And guess what? God doesn't have any bad days thinking about you. So what's God thinking about me? What's God saying about me? So David, in confidence, says, God, should I pursue God says, go get it all back. He could have focused on the mistakes that put him in this position, but he didn't. And I want to encourage you today to stop reminding yourself. Stop talking to yourself. Stop telling yourself things that God has already forgotten. You keep bringing it up and God can't even remember it. You keep rehearsing it, God doesn't remember it. You keep talking about it, God can't even remember it. The Bible says that when he forgives me, he, 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 he 
cast my sin as far from me as the east is from the west. Like God never remembers my sin against me. He never brings it up in conversation. Oh, Rob, you know, hey, I know you really want me to do a miracle, but you know, you, you. No, it's not how he operates. You have to, this is, this is hard to do. You have to learn how to forget your mistakes and remember his faithfulness. Ziklag is the place where you discover that every rejection in your life is actually a blessing. Think about this. In 1 Samuel 29, David and his men are rejected by the Philistines. They won't let them fight with them. This battle would have lasted days, possibly weeks, could have even lasted months. What happens to David's wife's, his children, his possessions after months and not three days? Because they were rejected, they were actually sent home with enough time to recover what the enemy had taken. Had they not been rejected, they would have spent weeks fighting while their families were being destroyed. But because they were, rejection is actually God's way of positioning you perfectly. You're like, oh no, Rob, you don't understand, man. They, 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 they were leaving me out. No, God was keeping you out. You don't understand, Rob, I'd, I'd be everything God called me to be if I hadn't been rejected so many times. No, 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 that rejection was protection and it was placement. They get back soon enough to still see smoke in the air. And some of you need to be grateful this morning. You need to give God the praise this morning because there's still smoke. That If there's still smoke, it means it's not too late. It's not too far gone. If there's still smoke, that means fire hasn't been, hasn't been gone long. If, if, if there's still smoke, that means they can't be too far. That, if there's still smoke, that's, that means they're still within, within my reach. If, if there's still smoke, then that means that it's still possible that God could turn this situation around. And I, I wonder if there's anybody in the room who, who maybe all you have is just a little bit of smoke. But because there's smoke, there's something that rises up in your heart to say, it's not over yet. This thing isn't finished yet. I know it seems like the devil said it's over. I know it seems like this thing looks dead and gone. But God is in the business of giving back to me everything that I've lost. And God, I just want to take a moment and put my hands together and thank you for the smoke. I want to thank you for the smoke. I want to thank you. Other people are looking around the world and they're saying it's over, but I see smoke. I smell smoke. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just stay standing if you would. If you're seated, will you stand with us this morning?
got to learn how to, like David in this situation, you got to learn how to, in the twisting and in the winding of life, you have to learn how to get a word from God for, for yourself. He didn't, he didn't tell the priest to go get a word for him. And listen to me. I'm, I'm so grateful that God gives me words for you every Sunday. But I, I need you to understand that you don't just need the words that I preach on Sunday. You need to learn how to get into a, into a position of prayer and get a word from God for yourself. That's what will sustain you in moments like Ziklag. The story of Ziklag ends actually in 2 Samuel chapter one. Saul and Jonathan have been killed in battle. And this guy comes along and as he sees Saul dying, he grabs the, the crown and he actually runs to where David is in Ziklag. And it's an amazing thing that, that when you are busy pursuing what really matters, purpose is actually pursuing you at the same time. Watch this. While David is chasing down his family, the crown is chasing David down. And so many people in this room, you are so busy chasing the crown at the expense of your family, at the expense of what really matters. And you gotta change your perspective this morning and realize that if I'll get busy of the business of being who God has called me to be and pursuing what really matters, I won't have to go looking for purpose one day in my life. Purpose will find me. Come on, somebody, we need to put our hands together and thank God that the purpose that God has for my life, if I'll pursue the right things, that crowning moment, it'll find me. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you. I don't, some of us might not be far enough along in our journey to thank you for Ziklag yet, but God, I wanna thank you for the Ziklags of my life. I wanna thank you for those places that it seemed so far away from what you had for me, but they were never that far away at all. They were actually closer than I had ever been before. And when I, I wanna thank you that many people are looking around in the world today and they're thinking, man, we're so far away from who we used to be, what we used to be. And in many ways, that is true but we have never been closer to who you called us to be. We are not moving away from the coming of the Lord. We are moving closer to the coming of the Lord. We are not moving away from the last day revival. We are moving closer. The word says that the last will be greater than the former, that the end of a thing will be greater than the beginning of a thing. And so, God, we thank you that we are not moving away from our purpose. We are actually moving towards our purpose because it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. That doesn't dictate to us what God can do. We serve a supernatural 
supernatural God who does supernatural things through natural people. And so, God, we throw our hands up this morning and we say thank you that even though this place that we're in right now feels like a twisting place, feels like a place of winding, God, we have never been closer to the purpose of God than we are right now. And we are grateful and we put our hands together and we open up our mouths and we give you praise that we are moving in the right direction towards you, towards your presence, towards your purpose. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name we pray. In the name of Jesus we pray. And the church said amen. Come on, maybe one more time. Let's put our hands together. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I just want to ask you if you're in this room today, if uh, if you're here and you say, Robbie, I have no confidence in my relationship with the Lord. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus at one time. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord, but you're here in this room today. He said, man, I'm really struggling in my confidence in my relationship with God. I feel far away from God. I don't feel connected to God. I feel like I'm in zigzag right now. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's true. And even though you're a Christian, you feel disconnected. But for some of you in the room, you've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus, to, to turn your life over to Jesus, to turn your face towards him because his face is already turned towards you. And I'm gonna ask everyone in the room, if you bow your head with me one more time and I'm gonna count to three, and when I do, I just want every person in here who would say, Rob, I feel disconnected from God. Whether that's you're a Christian and you feel disconnected, or you're in this room and you haven't asked for forgiveness of your sins, you haven't invited Jesus into your heart. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. When I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air, and we're gonna pray a prayer, and we're gonna believe that in that moment, something supernatural is gonna happen in your life. Old things are gonna pass away. All things are gonna become new. You're gonna have the Holy Spirit crying out, Abba, Father, in your life, recognizing that you are a follower of Jesus, that God has come near to you. If that's you, one, two, three. Throw that hand up in the air. I see you here, I see you there. Anybody else, I see you there, I see you, ma'am. Anybody, I see you over here, I see you, sir. I see you there. Awesome. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together for those who raise their hand. Praise the Lord. That's incredible. Come on, family. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. I believe you're coming again in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Come on. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Any saved people in the room this morning? Come on. Let's rejoice. Hallelujah. Awesome. Awesome. Man, I've missed you. I've missed y'all. I was only gone for a week and it feels like a month. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. And if you need prayer for anything, or if you made that decision today, we'd love to connect with you. You can text the word and the number on the screen. We'd love to connect with you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you very soon.